0: You are listening to the Live Your Own Fit podcast, where your life performance questions will be answered, health topics dissected, and energy-boosting tips discovered, with me, your host today, Pete Jacobs. I'm an Ironman world champion and health coach, and love chatting about how the body and mind works. Let's get started with today's episode, which is around weight loss and energy. Energy, of course, is my favorite topic and how it relates to everything. But today, we're going to talk to how it relates to weight loss and all the factors that could be affecting your weight loss in all the different ways. And in future podcasts, I will delve more into energy production, what is energy, where can we get it from? But today, I'm going to stick to how our metabolism, our mindset, and our hormones specifically, all relate to achieving the weight loss and getting the lean body that we are after. And of course, that also means we'll get more energy. A question that comes up often is, why can't I lose weight? Specifically, the excess fat that you are carrying on your body. And in order for your body to burn stored fat calories, there needs to be The demand and ability for your mitochondria to produce energy, ATP, at a level that uses more calories than consumed while using fat, not glucose, as the primary source of fuel. So that's probably incredibly confusing, but as we go, hopefully I can explain things in a way that that starts to make sense. So the key factors would be hormones, inflammation, deficiencies in nutrients, gut microbiota and how you breathe also um, and how your level of fitness is. All affect um, how many and from which source calories are used for energy production and which ones head for storage as fat. So excess stored fat can function as an evil organ in a way. And that affects your hormones negatively in terms of it's going to prohibit you from burning that stored fat because that stored fat is already with there. That is one function that excess fat can do to inhibit where you're currently at. And the hormones create a bit of a cyclical issue where they don't want to be used up. They're creating hormones that stop you using them and that also means that all negative, all production of energy is also dropped. So you generally don't feel like you've got energy as well um, because you aren't using many fuel options. Um, so, unless you are continuing to just constantly eat glucose, um, you may will obviously continue to put on weight, and that's the only source of energy for you. So, as soon as you have a break without eating, it can get very tough to feel as if you've got energy. But we're going to talk about how we can tap into that stored fat and break that cycle. Another cause, inflammation and nutrient deficiencies uh, can negatively affect the total energy ATP production capabilities of the mitochondria as well as healthy cell reproduction. So very briefly, I've mentioned mitochondria a couple of times. They are the little batteries that in your body, the little engines that use the fuel, be it fat or glucose, as two basic examples, to produce the life force in your body, the thing that keeps you alive, the thing that makes you feel as if you have energy and makes it able to do things. And that increases when you demand more energy. So if you move more, that demand will increase in theory. Okay. So therefore, if you have a few of these issues going on, you could be in a position where you're not able to produce much total energy at any one time. So even if you exercised a lot, the overall usage of calories for energy would be low. And the limited amount of energy your mitochondria do produce is unable to use fat for fuel. So they use glucose. Glucose. So there's two things going on here where you're in a state of poor health um, at a cellular level and mitochondrial level where you're no longer good at producing energy. There's likely a deficiency in a nutrient, in a mineral that, let's say, for example, we all have heard how important magnesium is. Everybody knows that magnesium can help us when we feel fatigued, when we feel cramps, all of those sort of things. Well, that is because minerals and nutrients create these pathways for energy production. So if that energy production pathway is inhibited, and this could be through stress or it could be through a deficiency, then you're not even able to produce energy if you wanted to. So let's say you did go and went for a walk, but you have a few of these metabolic issues and mitochondrial issues happening. So even while walking, you are going to be using less calories than somebody else doing the exact same thing as you. Even if you are heavier and therefore carrying more weight and therefore should be burning more calories, there's a chance that you are still not burning more calories because of all these inhibited pathways of energy production. And then, on top of that, the other side of that is that you are not able to tap into your fat stores for any of that energy production. so you've got a couple of problems going on there that continue that cycle of not being able to burn more many calories and using only glucose and none of your stored fat for those calories to produce energy. All right, moving on so Um, an unhealthy metabolism is using a low amount of calories to produce low total energy. That's just a quick little summary of what we just spoke about. This is a situation of very low calorie use per day, no burning of fat, and can make it very difficult to lose weight using common methods, e.g. exercise or calorie counting. Increasing demand for ATP, e.g exercising, where you are increasing the demand for energy. And I have said ATP, adenosine triphosphate, that is that electrical force, that, that chemical that creates life, which we generally refer to as energy. Um, generally, in biology, we would say that would be ATP. So as well as in... So I'll start again. Increasing demand for ATP, e.g. exercise, as well as improving hormones and microbiota, ensuring abundant nutrients and improving health of the mitochondria increases the capacity to produce energy from fat and will result in sustainable weight loss so hang on me hang with me here we're going to get to some of the key things shortly but i just want to help you try to understand the problem that could be occurring there's many problems but these are some of the overall big picture problems And then we'll delve into getting a bit closer at the actual solutions. So the key problems limiting stored fat for calories for use in energy production is one of them, fuel preference is for glucose. Another, inhibited energy production in the cell and mitochondria. And thirdly, hormone imbalance. So that can be coming from any of your glands, adrenal glands, thyroid glands, It can also be coming from the stored fat itself operating as that evil organ, which it can do. It can be coming from your microbiota. So, you know, if you are eating a lot of sugary processed foods, your microbiota aren't going to be healthy, so they're going to be contributing to hormones that aren't going to make you feel great, as well as also inhibiting absorption of nutrients and minerals, further increasing the problems. And therefore, an un- and underlying nutrient deficiency is the last little bit that could be um, in impacting the hormonal imbalance. Okay, and how to lose weight. What is happening? Now, why do calories in versus calories out not work for everybody? Yes, it does at some point, and we will get to that eventually. But why would it not work for everybody? So for some people, calories will be the least important data of your health journey and only matter for you if you feel amazing, but you're still not losing the excess fat. So if you've done everything right, if everything's going really well, you've got really good energy, but the fat is still not shifting, then you know calories may be the issue if you are eating enough to start with, if you are overeating in the first place. So there's many nuances about if it matters or not. So I'm going to give some examples of why calories don't matter and some situations where it might be you know um easy for you to picture and you may know people that like this. So if two people eat the same calories from the same food so it, you know basically two people exact, pretty much the same diet and that diet would be relatively high carb diet let's say but what what most people would consider a standard diet, you know, following the standard nutritional guidelines that the government gives out. But one of these people is obese, and the second is very thin. So in human number one, gains weight easily, can't lose weight, and has this high-carb, kind of low-fat, low-ish protein diet that is recommended. Some of the reasons could be that their mitochondria can't produce energy easily. Another, Energy production is inhibited by excess stress. So, hormones dictate the fuel preference. They dictate whether calories are released and burnt for energy. And they dictate the oxygen amount. So, cellular oxygen is needed, Res- cellular respiration is needed to help produce energy. And if you're in a stress state, your breathing can change, your hormones change, everything is linked together that can help can play a part in reducing oxygen and therefore reducing the ability to burn energy. A compromise cellular health and inflammation. Thyroid is another one, likely playing a part in some of the weight gain. A, um, it's obvious that the thyroid can change people into either burning lots of weight um, and burning lots of energy or that they can help them gain weight and it slows down their energy uh, production and holds on to calories. Um, deficiency of nutrients can happen there, particularly iodine and selenium are linked to the thyroid functions and, and or just a thyroid could be really messed up just because of a long time of a high carb diet, which could be part of the problem as well as insulin resistance of carbohydrate intolerance and Likely though, the two go hand in hand. If you are eating a high carb diet, you are going to be nutrient deficient in some things as well. Another factor is the microbiota, which can contribute to weight storage by producing nutrients and hormones. So some microbiota will actually be very efficient at producing energy for you. The way that it digests things, it will increase the production of Um, short chain fatty acids. It will increase the absorption of some of these other amino acids and uh, fats and nutrients. So your body's kind of getting a signal like, you know, I'm pretty healthy. Like I want this energy and it's absorbing pretty much all the things that you eat and making its own from fermenting at the same time. And another thing, energy production is inhibited by nutrient deficiency factors affecting communication for demand of energy and also energy production within the mitochondria. So that demand for energy I hadn't really mentioned yet, but demand for energy is a key part of moving more. If you don't feel like you have energy, you're not going to move more. You're not going to demand that energy is produced at a higher rate by going out and going for a walk or a run because the initial problem is you don't have a lot of energy, so it's another part of a cycle of not having the energy decreases the standard um, energy demands for a day. It makes you more sedentary. So generally, let's say, as everybody says, 2,000 calories a day is burnt. If you just kind of walk around, go go to the toilet... Um, walk to the kitchen, you know, walk to your car, walk through the car parks, do your shopping, you know, standard day of doing all of that movement. But most of it's made up by keeping you alive, um, keeping you breathing, keeping your blood flowing. Those kind of things are what use up most of the calories. But it's going to, that small part of how much do you move, it starts to contribute a little bit if we're talking long-term, over a year of really doing no exercise versus Doing a little walk every day. That's when it will start to just add up a little bit. And of course, walking has extra benefits of being in the sun, uh, getting good blood flow, changing the respiration rates, and those things as well. Another, let's moving on. And long term excess fat, the visceral and subcutaneous fat. So, visceral fat being in the organs, subcutaneous being under the skin, both will influence the hormones. They will change and uh, dictate what your hormones want to do. And that means that it may be influencing your body to hold on to the fat that's already there. Um, And of course, in that person as well, the the long-term low energy and nutrient deficiencies can lead to chronic health problems. So nobody wants that at all. But obviously, it comes with the territory of having lots of excess weight. There is one standard, you know, it comes up all the time in all the tests that we can look at and go, yes, being obese puts you in a much, much higher risk category for all chronic health problems. So moving on now, human number two, the thin person. They've always been pretty thin. They've got a high carb diet, the same and the fairly moderate low fat and low protein to moderate protein, just the standard diet. Um, their mitochondria produce energy easily through basically glucose only pathways, but because they are using so much energy all the time and easily producing it using those glucose pathways, they are burning more energy in a day than someone who than the person number one human number two that we just spoke about so thyroid has a lot of symptoms generally it's going to be um increasing the calories burnt for energy. So it actually changes the hormones and says, yes, let's burn energy, let's increase energy, and uh, it just burns it. And it often is quite wasted, wastes quite a bit. Um, So again, though, if there's a thyroid issue there, again, even with this person, it could be related to iodine and selenium which go together and they are taken together. So if you Google that, there's tons and tons of research papers and articles and everything else you want to find on iodine, selenium, and the thyroid. And the high-carb diet may also be causing some of this stress. So they're also going to experience the sympathetic nervous system is going to be greater as well. So sympathetic nervous system means that they're more cortisol more adrenaline, uh, more um, all of these hormones are going to be pumped out to increase uh, the rate of calories being burnt, helping them to stay thin but not necessarily healthy. So one of those factors that come in is, uh, is if you're only using glycolytic energy, so glucose for energy production, then that compounds the oxidative stress. So there's more stress byproducts. So it's a less healthy way than using fat for fuel. So you end up with more byproducts by the end of the day of stress. So this could be also in human one as well. The microbiota in digestion is kind of wasting energy and nutrients. So you'll find that you probably aren't absorbing. It's more likely you're going to be nutrient deficient. Because it's more likely that your microbiota is wasting what you're eating, so more likely that you're going to have IBS issues relating to, you know, loose stools and things passing through really quickly, um, cramping, and those sort of problems with your digestion. And you're generally so you're wasting some of the fuel that you eat as well. You're not even absorbing all the calories that you eat. And you're not getting all the nutrients from what you eat either. And of course, long-term nutrient deficiencies in this person, even though they're not obese, which is puts most people in that category, uh, long-term nutrient deficiencies and long-term high blood glucose levels can lead to chronic health problems in this person as well. Okay. Let's go on to some of the factors, and this is going to get more detailed now, and I'm going to skip through each heading, but there's a long list here of factors of what could be causing some of the energy production problems, which will affect your perception of energy, which is both real energy and perceived energy. So if your brain doesn't have a lot of energy, then yes, the perception of energy and actual energy are both low. Um, So it'll affect that, it'll affect your weight loss, it'll affect your health and your performance. So these are, is glucose still the preferred source of fuel for the mitochondria to produce energy? Are hormones inhibiting the use of some fuels? Is there a deficiency in any nutrient? And nutrient will be minerals, vitamins, fats or proteins. Are you having a reaction to anti-nutrients? So these come from plants and they are lectins, oxalates, phytates, glucosolenates, saponins, um, solanines, and cacarines And they are all found in plants. And basically they affect your hormones in some of them, like estrogenic effects from soy, for example, and others will affect your digestion and absorption of nutrients Leading to a nutrient deficiency. And others will actually go so far as to cause leaky gut. And then once the gut allows other food particles besides, you know, those fuels um, and vitamins and minerals to pass through, once you kind of get some of these undigested proteins through your in your digestion, through your intestinal walls then they're in the bloodstream, and that is when you feel really foggy-brained, arthritis-type conditions, triggers autoimmune symptoms. That can be a real issue at that point in time. Are you still consuming alcohol? So if you do have already have that visceral fat around your liver and you're still consuming alcohol, and I've got to put in fruit as well So, and any sugars. So fructose in particular, though, which, as I said, um Any sugar, I said any sugar because any table sugar has 50% fructose as well. So any fructose or alcohol goes straight to the liver. And so you're putting stress on your liver to do something with this excess calories that you've just put in and straight away, it's going to send signals to change things, store things and not tap into your stored fat whatsoever. And it continues that cycle of adding fat to your body. Is there too much oxidized fat in your body? I'll get to that a little bit later in more detail. Maybe your exercise prescription is too much or too little for fat-burning adaptation. Is exercise or movement inhibited by your brain through beliefs and subconscious roadblocks, preventing you pushing yourself to a substantial level? Is movement and thinking producing excess stress? And that means, what I mean by that is, are you already in a state of inflammation and anxiety that is self-perpetuating stress? So even the tiniest thought, um, and I've been there in my past, where you don't want to get out of bed. You have this anxiety, this sort of feeling of no joy. It's like depression, or you have um, other symptoms, but you're already at this state of autoimmune condition is another, where the stress is self-perpetuating. So anything that you do throughout the day compounds on top of the stress because if you put it in the big picture, any stress byproduct from producing energy stays around a little bit while, usually until you sleep and try and get rid of some of it. So throughout the day, as that stress compounds, it therefore further inhibits an efficient energy production. So that is why, let's put it in an athletic performance, that you push really hard at the start of the race. Now, you haven't used up all your glycogen stores. You haven't used up all the fuel. But what you have done is by using a high level of glucose and getting closer to an anaerobic state, which is low oxygen, which you can get through just the way that you breathe. If you're not even um, exercising hard, breathing can change the state of your aerobic function. So you've produced a lot more oxidative stress early on in the race, which is then going to inhibit your efficient energy production later in the race. Even when you're trying, even once you've gone back to being aerobic, you've already added that stress in. And some people get better and better at clearing that stress and are more efficient and healthier. But for some people, that stress is a big problem. And every time throughout the day that you add a little bit more, it becomes harder for you to produce more energy towards the end of the day. Sleeping helps get rid of that. So the next point is, is poor sleep inhibiting the clearing of stress for you? Are prescription drugs a factor? Is a thyroid problem affecting hormones for metabolism and energy production? Is your current diet causing your microbiota to negatively affect you? Are you getting sunlight? Are you relaxed and present? Do you nose breathe slowly into your belly day and night? Can or do you tolerate levels of moderate levels of carbon dioxide? And what I just mentioned before, that comes into breathing. So as you exercise, carbon dioxide builds up as a byproduct of energy production. And if you're over-breathing in terms of if you're heading towards the end of the scale that is hyperventilation and you are getting rid of the CO2, the carbon dioxide is CO2, quicker than you can use it to exchange with oxygen to get the oxygen into the cells. So the CO2 and O2 exchange in between the cells. So the CO2 comes out, then gets sent out through the lungs. The O2 comes in through the lungs and swaps with the CO2 into the cell. But if you are hyperventilating all the time, if at the slightest effort of walking up a slight hill, you breathe really heavy all the time, you're going towards hyperventilation, which is expelling excess CO2. Therefore, you are decreasing the oxygen saturation in your cells. The oxygen saturation in your blood will be okay, but because at a cellular level, you've diminished by breathing out the CO2 in excess amounts, it's not there to take and swap places with the oxygen. So that's when you get lightheaded. That's when your muscles get really weak. If you are hyperventilating, if you continue to overbreathe, that's a big part of changing the signals that's what's happening in your body. So, everything I've just mentioned is linked to chemical processes that, if optimal, can benefit the health of your cells and improve your ability to produce energy. And what's increased energy give us? Excess calories burnt. That's what we're after. We want to figure out how can we increase the efficiency and level of energy production using our stored fat, which therefore ends up we end up using more calories. One of the points I mentioned I wanted to come back to is, is there too much oxidized fat in your body? This comes around to diet, and this is um, relevant in many ways, I guess. So oxidized fats are basically poly, more more the polyunsaturated, monounsaturated fats that have been cooked to high heat or consumed from the industrialized extraction process. So they are basically all seed oils. So basically anything that's deep fried is incredibly oxidized. This is not something that you want to put in your body. It is not a natural form of a compound that your body can use for anything healthy. However, it does end up using it to make cells out of because it has to continue to make cells. And if you are eating, you are always in this an- um, anabolic state of building. So you're building fat stores. And so if you eat a lot of fat, especially if you've eaten it with chips, you really get this anabolic signal from the increase in glucose going in from the chips. You also get these bad fats coming in. So your body will build more cells and store more fat out of that terrible, non-natural form of fat. The same thing could be said for uh, uh, olive oil. If you cook olive oil at high heat, the same thing will happen. It will oxidize, and you'll be consuming large amounts of oxidized fats that your body it doesn't really like. It affects the ability for the cell to function properly. It affects the ability for your genes to function properly as they are rebuilding cells constantly. That's what anabolism is. You just built a new cell or you've just added fat to an existing fat cell. So the other cells you could be building are your hair, your nails, your liver cells, your muscle cells. All those cells are also made up of some fat and your brain cells particularly are mostly fat. There's a lot of fat in your brain. So if your diet is mostly of these bad fats, you're going to have more of these bad fats contributing to lower function of the cells. So lower communication, lower energy production and lower transfer of nutrients, a higher response to inflammation, a higher response to infection, all of those things. So do avoid these oxidized fats and avoid all seed oils. um, Even if they're not at high heat, you, you should see what they look and smell like before they have been processed. So, um, as I say, processed, before they've been processed for your consumption. So, you know, we can look at a healthier fat that's been cold-pressed. So you will say, oh, yeah, cold-pressed olive oil sounds healthy. Yes, it is, if it's fresh and hasn't been oxidized and hasn't been cooked at high heats to be oxidized. Because oxidized means that oxygen has gotten into it. So even old olive oil is not good because it's been exposed to oxygen for a long time. But the way that it's produced was healthy through cold press, whereas these seed oils are not produced through just cold pressing a seed, a natural process. Okay, so there's some really big issues playing out there that we want to avoid um, with that. Um, Next up, and so I've skipped through some seed oil information. Let's get into some of these other factors, and this might be what we're kind of waiting to talk about. What everyone kind of thinks are the bigger issues, macronutrient ratios, and I'm going to say they may be contributing, but they aren't really the issue. If you're eating a real food balanced diet, the ratio of, oh, I need to eat you know 20 grams of protein, and I need to eat 50 grams of fat, and I need to eat 40 grams of carbohydrates every meal. First of all, it's not sustainable and it's not an easy way to go about eating. It's not a pleasant way to go about eating, trying to figure out what macronutrient ratio would be best for you. We'll talk about a few other options later on. But what you actually eat combined, don't worry too much about it, but obviously no processed food and lower carbohydrate vegetables are best and just avoid fruits. If you are wanting to lose some weight and so these foods are generally also low in protein and also generally lower in nutrients, these higher carbohydrate foods. So it just becomes, if you're just going for, let's go for nutrients, good nutrients, then it becomes really easy to change what you're eating and you don't even need to think about what you're eating. It's just, let's go for more nutrients and that's a super easy answer without worrying about macronutrient ratios. So, when you're eating completely unprocessed, low carb foods, there's no need to concern yourself with ratios as natural food become, comes pre prepared with macro, micro, micronutrients that will help you improve your health and energy. So, it's already in nature, it's already there, what you need in the kind of correct ratios to be healthy. Overconsumption of calories may be contributing to fat stores, um, no matter which macronutrient is overconsumed. So, that's sort of if we've got that thyroid issue. If we are just, if there's a bunch of hormones that are just blocking what we are storing, no matter what we're eating, uh, sorry, it blocks what we're burning, no matter what we're eating, then, you know, there's some steps that we'll talk about shortly. So consuming the fats that have been processed. So even a healthy processed fat may be, you may be having too much of it. And it may be that the dairy itself is inflammatory, or it may be that you are just consuming too much fat and dairy just happens to be a high fat thing. So because these Things come in processed forms, like you can get a litre of olive oil and you can pour as much olive oil very easily over your salad, your rice, your everything that you want. You could basically drink it if you want to increase your fat intake. But is that the healthiest way to consume food? Is that a pleasant way of consuming food? Is feeling like you have to have X amount of fat in every meal a nice way of doing everything? No, because you will become addicted to it. You will become a bit neurotic about making sure you have enough fat and it's just not a sustainable way. And of course, there's not as many nutrients in olive oil as they're in if you just ate oily, fatty fish, for example. So consuming fats... Um, been processed, I've covered that. Consuming fat that could be inflammatory, I've covered that, such as the oxidized olive oils and the dairies could be inflammatory to you as well. Adding extra fat to a specific enjoyable recipe or for cooking, no problem. However, adding large amounts of excess fat at multiple meals per day is far from natural, and that may be, may be contributing to your excess weight gain. If you are already at a limit of calories in for the day. If you're already up to around that, if you've got a fairly sedentary normal life and you're at 2000 calories, then, you know, if you're adding another thousand calories just of olive oil and you're gaining weight, just purely that, but everything else is going well, then you cut out the extra oil. Adding fat. To an extra recipe, no problem. That sounds great. Just uh, when you want it to enhance the way that you cook, enhance the flavors, etc. Measuring ratios leads to overcomplication and restriction of eating naturally. And some days, one macronutrient will be higher and other days lower. That is just natural eating. So some cuts of meat are going to be higher in fat. Some cuts of meat will be lower in fat. Some days the seafood you eat will be not as fatty. Some days it will be much fattier. So just going with a natural eating pattern is the way that you should be eating and not thinking every day needs to be exactly the same because macronutrients, if you've got general health, good healthy eating patterns, macronutrients are unlikely, I'm not going to say impossible, but unlikely to be causing an issue with your hormonal system, your metabolic system of burning energy. So the largest part of your plate should be oily fish, nose to tail meats and eggs. So that's it. You're getting plenty of fat, plenty of carbohydrates and all, sorry, plenty of proteins. There's really no carbohydrates if you just eat the oily fish, the nose to tail meats and the eggs, but that's fine. And so those have obviously the most amount of nutrients in them as well. If you like, add some lower carb you know, foods as well, you know, cruciferous vegetables and carrots, celery, cauliflower, lettuce, fresh herbs and spices. Um, you just aren't going to need to question how much of anything you're eating if you're eating well. It's more these other issues that we've covered that may be impacting how your body is triggering fat being burnt or stored. So you'll have all the nutrients, vitamins that you need. However, the caveat to this is we've been living our lifestyles for a long time. We've been eating fairly unhealthy foods for quite a long time. So the problem is there's probably a deficiency there. And we need likely to correct that deficiency with some supplementation. So that's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. So increase protein, reduce fat that's pretty good, but just don't cut out the natural foods that fat naturally occurs in. So that's one option. If That's another option, the next phase of if you're not losing weight. Just increase focus on the proteins and reduce those excess fats. Lastly, the big one is going to be the kicker for a lot of people that have got those issues. So let's say you're working on those improving those deficiencies that may be resulting in hormonal issues around the adrenal and thyroid glands. Intermittent fasting, here it is. This is the thing, and I will explain why. So first up, briefly, it gives your body a rest from digestion, which may help remove some unwanted overgrowth of gut bacteria. It improves sleep and reduces hormones that are negatively influencing your health, circadian rhythm, and metabolism. Fasting also lowers your glycogen stores to force a change in fuel preference for energy. It forces your body also to consume stored fat for calories and lowers your insulin levels. Since insulin, which is responsive to higher glucose levels in the blood, insulin will be one of the things that can also block fat burning. And it allows your hormones to reboot for, so that at least while you're sleeping, and in your, when you wake up, you are fat burning at that point in time. It allows for autophagy, and that is where you old cells are removed, kind of killed off. This is the natural process; happens to about one percent of your cells every single day, and is always ongoing. But you can increase the rate at which you get rid of old, overstressed, and damaged cells which is a big part when, you know, if we're talking about avoiding tumors and cancers and allowing these oxidized fats and these bad cells that are made of these bad fats to remove, we need a time of our body to be autophagic, getting rid of these old cells. And fasting is the perfect time for that so that things can be replaced with healthier cells. And that is the natural process. The natural process of increasing... Autophagy and removing these old cells and then building up new cells is metabolism. Next episode, I'm going to really get into metabolism because we've got catabolism and anabolism. And the catabolic part of your metabolism is when you are breaking energy down, stored calories down into energy. You are producing energy. So I shouldn't have said energy. You're not breaking energy down, you are producing energy in a catabolic state. So we want to get into this catabolic state. And to get there, fasting is the best way to do it. Next is the anabolic state where we are building things up. And that is what's occurring when you're in this state of hormonal influence um, caused by whether it's lack of movement, whether it's this constant input of food, whether it is... um, constant input of blood sugar through other hormonal efforts it doesn't matter it's catabolic and that is why you're constantly growing and cannot ever get that anabolic state to occur so fasting is the kicker that can get that metabolism to change into catabolism and burn some of those stored calories So, there's heaps of information there. I've gone on way longer than I wanted to. But the next episode, I'm just going to be much shorter. And we're going to talk a little bit more about energy production and metabolic rate, and a little bit, and I'll recap the fasting issue as well. So, thanks very much for listening. It's been great getting some of this out there finally after such a long break. um, Really drop the ball with this. And I guess it's because there is so much information. So the, episode, the podcast is finished. you want to switch off, that's great. I'm just chatting now about what we've been up to. Um, yeah, and we've been busy. And I've been developing this sort of information in much more detail and putting it into videos so that I can get this into a course. But really, it's much more about the course that I'll be producing. is about health and performance. And they are pretty much the same approach to everything. You want more energy more energy production, more efficient energy production means you will perform better. It means you will be healthier as well. And they are the exact same processes for health and performance. And there's many, many different things. And it all depends on how many of these little things you want to get into. There's a lot of biohacks that go on top of all the things that I've just mentioned. All of that lasts 40 minutes. There is now, and there's another like... 20 minutes on each topic that we've covered at least. There are hours if I pulled apart each of these topics that we've talked about. So that's what I'm currently trying to put together. And that is why I'm learning so much all the time that I think, oh, yeah, I'll do a podcast. I'm just going to research this one little bit to add add to what I already know. And then suddenly it's like, oh, my God, there's so much more to add to what I already know. But that's life. That is an ongoing process is knowing that you will never know everything. And that is why you never want to be dogmatic with your approach to anything. That is why you always want to be open minded, learning from as many sources as possible, and questioning those sources as well. Because nobody has the answers. And sometimes, even they have the answers if you ask the right questions. But sometimes, the way that they will promote something just comes across. A little bit dogmatic and I just saw this on Twitter happen recently where someone who was incredibly smart but just the language that they used which was if you have this problem you have this symptom and I know that they didn't mean it in such a definitive way of you know all of these symptoms are caused by this one problem But when it comes across like that, um, it's very easy to grab hold of that sort of a thing when you are looking for answers. And so don't grab hold of anything that I've said in any context that I've said it and say, oh, well, this is the thing that is going to help me. It is much more nuanced than that. And like I said, each of these topics then have many more hours Of information behind them if we were to go into every nuance and every biohack and every possible thing that your primary issue could be and that's where it comes into you know it's great to chat with clients about it because we're figuring out what is your primary problem here what's sort of the catalyst that is setting off the hormones or what is the catalyst that is affecting the glands and what is the catalyst that's preventing an efficient energy production so Yeah, I've given you lots of options. I've talked a long time and it's been great being back on the mic and look forward to the next episode and it's going to be out shortly. Um, So if anything you heard, piqued your interest into your own health symptoms or perhaps you want to know how you can put this information into practice into practical terms for performance for performance in sport or everyday life we'd love to help you live with more energy and health and longevity so you can reach your goals so head on over to live your own fit to book in a free discovery call or email us at hello at live your own fit or message us through any of our social networks and we will get back to you straight away. You can be coached to increase your energy and health one-on-one by myself or Jamie L and enjoy your very own life performance virtual community that we love just posting um, all of these little bio hacks that we're coming up with every week um, as we research more and more. So I'd love to chat to you more there. So thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.